Next on BYU Sports Nation, three straight wins for BYU football. Was a seven-point difference over Liberty enough to satisfy your victory thirst? BYU Hoops loses a late lead at home against San Diego State. Was this a big missed opportunity? Plus, BYU women's soccer finishes an historic, undefeated regular season. WCC champs again, but will they get a one seed? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live on a Monday, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Shout-out to all of our fabulous and wonderful veterans on this Monday, November 11th, Veterans Day. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who cannot wait for the premiere of Frozen 2, Jerem Jordan. Uh, I'm... Whatevs. Uh, I didn't see it in theaters the first time. Uh, I saw it later. But uh, You saw Frozen 1 later? Yeah. And Jamal Williams is uh, really excited. In fact, yesterday uh, he was asked what it's like to play in the snow at Lambeau. They uh, beat the Panthers in the snow. He said, it felt great. It felt like I was in Frozen. And then he asked, wait, has Frozen 2 come out yet? No? Oh, I'm really excited to see that movie. Yeah, I can't wait to see that movie. Yeah. It had to be confirmed to him by a number of reporters. No, it it hasn't come out yet. It's not a... When does it come out? (laughs) Thanksgiving? I have no idea. Probably, right? That's the that's the time to release uh, a movie like that to get gear up for the holidays. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Either. More importantly, do you know when the next Star Wars movie is released? Over twentieth. See, that's the priority, right? Yeah. <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. I've been watching some of the uh, the others. Mm-hmm. What are they? Let's see. They're eight. They're ten. I watched the Solo. Mandalorian comes out. What tomorrow? Yeah, I watched on Solo Plus? for the first time last night. Oh, really? Uh-huh. What'd you think? I thought it was entertaining. Okay. Did you think it was better than Rogue One? No. Okay. Jason Shepard is convinced it's better than Rogue One, <laughs> and that is one of the worst takes I've heard. Anybody else think the Solo is better than Rogue One in our studio? No. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jason probably also loves Jar Jar Binks. So there you go. <laughs> That is hilarious. Jason, Jason's pretty rational. That is the most irrational take he has. Okay? Love you, Shep. Love you, man. Hey, uh, how about this? Speaking of Frozen, BYU's mid-November home finale is supposedly going to be 53 degrees and yeah, sunshine baby. against Idaho State. 1 p.m. kickoff. Well, the control room's always, uh, you know... 70 degrees or whatever we have it at. No, it's probably like 66 in there. It's cold. Yeah, so it's cold there, and it's typically freezing yeah. in studio as well. Yeah, so it's cold in here. That's uh-huh. perhaps why you have a coat. Slash, we also have the same shirt on, and uh, you're repping soccer. I'm repping BYU so women's soccer. Slash, yeah. I, I just think we look weird when we have the same shirt on. <laughs> Anyway. Here's today's show lineup. Trevor Maddich of ESPN College Football Insider on why he's not overreacting to BYU only beating Liberty by seven points when the Cougars were a 17-point favorite. Frozen 2, November 22nd. So go. 11 days. There you go. Yeah. Jennifer Rockwood, BYU women's soccer coach. Oh, yeah. Her team is the only unbeaten team yeah. in all the land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about that? Fantastic Early stuff. rise and shout out. Yeah, awesome. What seed will BYU get? After being the only unbeaten team, RPI of 10, number four in the coaches poll. We're going to discuss. Woo! Is it a one, a two, a three? We're going to discuss. And the damage of our going for two picks, but nobody cares about that right now. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football beats Liberty 31-24 behind third string star Baylor Romney in his 23 for 33, 262 yard and three touchdowns performance. 
Micah Simon also had a touchdown pass. Seven catches, 91 yards, and uh, yeah, about that touchdown pass, it sounded like this. Baylor goes under center with trips to the right. Center snap, double throw, Simon downfield, Bushman makes the catch, 15-10, he's going to go in! Touchdown, Matt Bushman from Micah Simon! I'm really glad Matt Bushman caught that pass because Micah Simon got absolutely trucked. He got destroyed. And it but went he, for a touchdown. And and he was okay. Uh, Tanner Mangum, who joined us on pre- and post-game coverage on BYU TV, mentioned this is Badger special, the same play that BYU ran. Love Hifo to Ronai Lalupuchita last year at Wisconsin. Love it. Senior day Saturday when BYU hosts their final home contest against... Idaho State. Don't sleep on Idaho State. Whatever. Sleep on them. Cougars in the NFL. Saints utility man Taysom Hill completed a 17-yard pass, rushed for 11 yards, and had a three-yard catch in a 26-9 loss to the Falcons. How many NFL players? Yeah, that's a bad loss. How many NFL players in history have had the trifecta in a game, I wonder? Because he's doing that on the rag now. Mm -hmm. The aforementioned Jamal Williams had 13 carries, 63 yards, and a Packers win over the Lions. And Fred Warner and the undefeated Niners. Uh, play Ziggy Ansah and my Seahawks tonight on Monday Night Football. Packers beat the Panthers, right? Panthers, there you Panthers. go. Panthers, okay. BYU men's basketball loses a ugh, tough game to San Diego State at home, 76-71. The Cougars, led by six with four minutes to play, couldn't close it out. Jake Toulson led the Cougars with 18 points, four rebounds, two steals, four assists. TJ Haas added 13 points. Bounce back opportunity for BYU against Southern Utah, who just beat Nebraska. Goes down Wednesday night live on BYU TV at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. And number four, women's soccer completes the undefeated regular season. First time in school history, beating LMU 8-1 on hmm. senior night Saturday. BYU looking to add to it. Braby. Left-footed shot! It goes far post! BYU now up 5-1! to one. Off the foot of the senior Lizzie Braby. Eight to one. That's awesome. Elise Flake is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week, by the way. First time all season. What does she have, like 20,000 goals? And this is the first time? <laughs> what the heck? The Cougars outscored their competition 68 to nine this season. Woo! Wow. Okay. And finishes the only undefeated team in the nation, 18 0 and 1. The NCAA tournament bracket will be announced today. 4.30 Eastern on NCA.com. We will discuss in a moment what CBYU should get. And Jennifer Rockwood will join us in studio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The curse of 17-plus lives. Mm-hmm. BYU beats Liberty 31-24. Seven-point victory at home. BYU does move over 500, 5 and 4, but only by 7 points. Oh. A lot of people scratching their heads about this after BYU played so well against Boise State and Utah State and then kind of relaxed against Liberty. Jerem was just getting the win over Liberty by 7 points. Good enough. Sure, yeah, winning's great. Uh, BYU's defense didn't take the ball away. That's the difference the last two weeks for BYU football was against Boise State, BYU was plus two. Against Utah State, BYU was plus three. That was the difference. We talked about how awesome the defense had suddenly become. Well, when you don't take it away and you turn it over twice, that can equalize things for the opponent. How did BYU stay with USC and all those four stars and some five stars? It was being plus three in the turnover mm-hmm. margin. That changes things. BYU beat Tennessee by being positive in the turnover yep. margin, right? It doesn't always mean you'll win, but you have extra possessions. You've stopped a couple possessions. You mentioned this. Sione Finau 
turned it over as BYU was going into the red zone. He has a 14-yard run, 36-yard line to the 22. It's 17-7 to early in the third. If BYU gets a touchdown there, it's 24-7, and BYU is up 17 it's early in the third. It's going to be a totally different game. Yes. So th- these play change things, changes things, right? Should BYU have blown out Liberty? Yes. Did they? No. Is it okay? Yeah. Look, <laughs> look in, in six of the nine games BYU's played this year, the Cougars have played up or down to the competition. Utah, Washington, blowouts, and then uh, Utah State, blowout. Okay, Those are the three exceptions to the rule, two negatively, one positively. Um, was it enough? Sure. I, I, it's fine to get picky, though. I, I think it's fine. The next two weeks, BYU's going to win. The issue will be San Diego State, which, by the way, didn't put up enough points again and lost to Nevada. So now they have two losses, and they're not going to be ranked. Come on! Pleasant. Again, the fake ID. This time, the bouncer actually checked the ID. 13 points against Nevada. 13 points on your home field. Yeah, Nevada's not even that good. Come on. Come on. So, congratulations. Okay. Yeah, we'll discuss that a little bit later on. Uh, In terms of overreacting to a seven-point win, I think it is an overreaction for people to be freaking out right now. BYU scored 31 points. They held Liberty, a team that averages almost 35 a game, to 24. Antonio Gandy-Golden is the truth. He's an NFL receiver. He's going to play. He was legit. Surprisingly, he dropped the pass that would have extended a potential game-tying drive for the Flames. Buckshot Calvert, I think he's a good quarterback. He didn't throw an interception. He's got 23 touchdown passes, only three interceptions. Liberty's dynamic duel was everything we thought they would be, yet BYU turned the ball over twice. That was the difference. If BYU doesn't turn the ball over twice and only once then they probably win by 14 or 17 it BYU fans calm down it's okay the Cougars won I want to remind you in 1996 when BYU was 14 and one incredible one of the great teams of all time probably top three team of all time at BYU with Steve Sarkeesian and all those NFL players they played SMU at home that season a 5-6 and six Mustangs team that was mired in mediocrity and hung on to win 17-14. But Spencer, great teams don't play close games against bad teams. Wrong. Good teams find a way to win even yeah. when things aren't going your way, even when you are minus two in the turnover margin. Yeah. It, it happens. Even great teams. The 1984 team played some close games against mediocre teams but found a way to win. It's just the way sports are. They're yeah. unpredictable. It's okay. Yes. Calm down. Yeah, you're going to play close games. Not Every game's weird and different, and, yeah, you don't blow everybody out, right? Yeah, come on. Topic two, the men's basketball team lost to San Diego State 76-71 Saturday afternoon. Cougars led by six with 4.50 to go. Spencer, how big a deal is that loss to the Aztecs? I think this is a big deal because I don't know how good San Diego State's going to be. Like, now BYU fans are hoping that San Diego State wins the Mountain West Conference so that they can feel better about justifying a home loss to the Aztecs. And when you're up by nine in the second half and up by six with under five minutes to play on your home floor, you've got the fans, you've got the crowd, got to close that thing out. And BYU just couldn't close out on San Diego State's shooters. That was the thing that was most frustrating to watch. Jordan Shackle. Jordan Shackle for San Diego State just hit big shot after big shot, and BYU wasn't good enough defensively to slow him down. We knew that rebounding was going to be a problem. And it will be until Yoli Childs Exactly. So BYU missed Yoli Childs and Gavin Baxter in a major way in that regard. But the Cougars still were in position to win this game. Jake Toulson started to go crazy in the second half. It was really fun to watch. 
They just couldn't get it done defensively. And when you look at the metrics and the quads, this might be a quad three loss at some point. I hope it's not, Jerem, but it could be a quad three loss at home. It stings. And in that instance, it becomes like one of those losses in the West Coast Conference, right? If you have a quad three home loss, yikes. It's not good for the resume. So I think this could potentially be a bigger deal than – we're making it out to be right now. It's not a big deal at all. I don't believe that BYU will have an at-large resume worthy of being in the NCAA tournament. So it's all about building to March to do what St. Mary's did last year, which is pull off the upset, win the league, and you get in. To me, that's the goal. It's so early. It's game two. BYU's going to play at least 32, 33, maybe even 34 games before uh, the postseason tournament, whether that's the NIT or the NCAA tournament. I think you need to build. Yes, it's disappointing. Yes, BYU probably should have won this game in the end. Uh, but to, to me, it's, it's just not a big deal because it's so early and it's not going to matter. I just don't think BYU is going to have an at-large resume worthy. Without, without Gavin Baxter uh, all season and the only child's for nine games, it's all about building towards March. Like everything is just build, build, build. If BYU can get better, learn some things, get some nice wins, enjoy the journey, right, and then get into Vegas and do something awesome, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Because to what end would this matter if BYU had an NCAA tournament at-large resume? I just don't think they will. Now, if they had beaten San Diego State, then maybe there is some belief that, oh, 2-0, and they beat Southern Utah, they're I would, need to, I would need to see a lot more games to start to feel that way. I mean, I have BYU going 10-5 and five in the first 15 non-conference games. So I'm not shocked that BYU lost this game, but it hurts knowing that they were in position to absolutely win this game. Right. I'm running the marathon mentality yeah. here, and yeah. so it's like... Guess what? Our second mile was a little slower than we wanted. We ain't winning this race. We just want to finish. <laughs> like We just want to finish in a position where in the end we can be competitive in Vegas. Hey, you know what teams don't need to worry about an at-large resume? Teams that win the conference, and that's exactly what BYU women's soccer did Again, they have dominated the West Coast Conference since joining the conference back in 2011. And it hasn't been close. Either co-champs or champions in seven seasons now. They own it outright. Only undefeated team in America. 18-0-1. They're number four in the coaches poll. They have an RPI of 10. It is Selection Monday. What seed will BYU soccer, with that automatic entry into the NCAA tournament, get from the selection committee? I'm guessing BYU will get a two seed. Now, the argument for a one seed is totally dependent on whether the committee values strength of schedule or not. Now, the argument for BYU, uh, BYU went out and played a tougher non-con than they have recently, right? And BYU typically plays a hard non-conference, but went to Alabama, right? And uh, trying to mean, who's the other SEC team that they played in? Mississippi State. Mississippi State got they a couple won of wins. At Kansas. Kansas and Kansas State, right? Uh, beat Utah, of course. Um, BYU pounded teams, too. It, it, like the margin of victory was like this is Florida, Danny Werfel, Steve Spurrier type stuff where BYU is just crushing fools a lot. So there's that element. The argument against BYU. The strength of schedule of four other teams in the country, perhaps that's Virginia, Florida State, North Carolina, and Stanford, is significantly better than BYU. And yes, those teams have more losses than the Cougars, but they played a harder schedule. If you put BYU in ACC, there's a couple of losses in there. Um, Three of the top five teams in the country reside in the ACC. So I I think a two-seed will be uh, fair and awesome. Uh, If you really want BYU to get a one-seed, BYU probably needed a few more 
resume uh, convincers on the schedule. But BYU should not get anything lower than a two. I could see the argument for BYU as a one. They won the games they played. They crushed those teams. Um, yet I see the other side of it with strength of schedule. Had BYU beaten Santa Clara and been 19-0 and with no ties, then I'm thinking there's no way the committee cannot give BYU a number one seed because... Oh, there's always a way. <laughs> oh, With the NCAA, I'm, right? I'm looking at the RPI. BYU has a top 50 RPI win at Utah. They beat number 43 Pepperdine. They tied number 30 Santa Clara. They won at Kansas a top 10 RPI win. See, I feel like BYU did ramp up the non-conference schedule, and they performed more than adequately. But it doesn't compare to those other teams in the same breath. Here's what hurts. Florida State beat Virginia in the ACC championship. Florida State had four yesterday. losses yesterday. Yeah. If Florida State had lost to Virginia and then been given a fifth loss, then maybe BYU sneaks in as the fourth number one seed. But because Florida State beat Virginia, I think they have earned a number one seed, as has Virginia, Stanford, North Carolina, and I think BYU is going to be a number two seed. So I want to say BYU deserves a number one seed because they're right on the cusp. But because of what happened yesterday, I think Florida State supplants any hope that BYU had of being a number one seed. I think right. the Cougars get a number two seed. They probably needed a higher RPI, which I just hate RPI. I think there need to be other metrics. And then the strength of schedule, it doesn't compare to some of those teams. But what do you need to do as a team? Like, what could BYU control that they won? Every game but one, and that one that they didn't was a tie. So I could see both sides of this argument. I bet BYU ends up with a two seed. That's 4.30 Eastern today, by the way, on NCAA.com. Oh, I left out another top 50 win, Texas A&M, and in dominating fashion. Yeah. And yes, the BYU, Top four seeds don't discuss top 50. They discuss like top 10 and top... BYU right? dominated right? teams, though. They outscored the competition 69-8. to eight. Or was it 68 to 9? Some, I mean, crazy numbers. It was, 69, it was 68 9, and it was incredible. No, what it, listen, incredible season. I'm not going to feel any different if BYU gets a two seed, whatever. Like, BYU was awesome. And guess what? If you have to go on the road to win an Elite Eight game, go and do it. Yeah. BYU, BYU is undefeated. Like, they have yet to taste defeat. This is a great team, like an all time team. Here's the other thing the NCAA championship is traditionally slated for a Sunday. And that does not work in BYU's favor. So BYU's already lost. The ne- no, they will adjust if <laughs> BYU gets there. I expect BYU to be in the hunt. Uh, we'll discuss later this week. Like, what round does BYU need to get to to really validate this season with the postseason run? Jen Rockwood will join us later in today's show. Our question of the day, back to BYU American football. Was the Cougars getting the win by seven points over Liberty good enough? Why or why not? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is... The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At BYU Apologist on Twitter. Uh, Not surprisingly says this. Don't care if it's by one point or 50 points. Any win is a good win. Is this your burner account? (laughs) That is not my burner account. (laughs) I'm not a BYU Apologist to the max. Come on. Come on. Just to 11. Coming up, Jennifer Rockwood on what seed she thinks BYU deserves. And ESPN's Trevor Maddich on if he is overreacting after BYU beats Liberty. Calm down, people. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join Gregor Bell for Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV as he's joined by Jeff Grimes and Elisa Tuiaki. Coming up right after us at the top of the hour to recap the Liberty game, preview the Idaho State game. Coordinator's Corner coming up.
Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Monday, we're back to work and happy to be doing so with ESPN college football insider, analyst, and expert Trevor Maddich, who joins us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Trevor, it's only fitting we're discussing Liberty on Veterans Day. How would you sum up BYU's performance overall in a 31-24 win over Liberty on Saturday night? Well, it was up and down and then up again. It was a bit spotty, but... The wins, a win is a win, and you don't play the game that you want to play. You play the game you're in. And it turned out Liberty came into this game six and three, and they've got a quarterback named Buckshot, so I didn't even deal with that. And at least one wide receiver who will be drafted in the NFL. So they had personnel that could cause trouble. And BYU jumped out to a a lead. They were in control of the game. And then Buckshot led them back, storming back to threaten BYU. And then BYU made some plays at the end. So I'm thinking they're probably not fully satisfied with how the thing went. But I love the fight. Because, I mean, BYU has had games this year where they were trailing and they had to fight back to win it in overtime. This is one of the games that BYU was in control and they had to, to stave off a furious rally by the opponent. It's a different way to win, but they won. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm happy with the way it went. Yeah, everyone plays some close games. Even in 84, you guys were the national champs and played five games decided by a touchdown. I'm not saying this BYU team is the 84 team. Just that teams play close games. And it felt like the difference was turnover margin. BYU negative two, and that's how Liberty stayed in the game. Sometimes that's an a equalizer for an opponent. Yeah, it absolutely can be. And sometimes it surprises you the way it turns out. That's why I say, you know, you play the game you're in and you fight the fight you're in. I mean, look at Alabama LSU. I mean, they combined for 87 points in that game. 87 points. If someone would have told you that before the before the game, you would have thought they were completely nuts. But that was the game they were in. They were in a furious shootout. You know, it wasn't that long ago when it was a 9-6 to, to game. You know, and so it just it just depends. And BYU was in a game that that had big momentum shifts, and they came out on top. I feel like if Sione Finau doesn't fumble early in the second half, Trevor, it's a very different story. BYU goes on to score; they're on the twenty yard line. They go up by seventeen at that point, and it probably ends up being a forty one seventeen game or a thirty eight seventeen game, something like that. So, do BYU fans that are a little bit concerned are, are they overreacting right now? I think they're, I think they're being unfair, for goodness sake. You are totally right that that was a pivotal moment in the game, where BYU could have basically had their foot planted firmly on Liberty's neck at that point, but that allowed Liberty life, and they took advantage of it. And it's a, it's a lesson BYU needs to learn. I mean, they're not a, a team right now that has a lot of experience with putting their boot on the neck of an opponent and grinding it into the turf and not letting them up until after the final whistle. This is, this is not a, a habit that BYU has been in in recent years. And how to win, how to dominate are things that teams need to learn. And in BYU's case, they need to relearn. And th- this is where you don't make a mistake that allows the other team back in. I mean, even if nothing happened there but a field goal or even a missed field goal, it sure beats the big sudden change that a, a, a turnover creates. And so that's something that BYU needs just to just get better at. It's not that they don't know that you're not supposed to turn it over, but in the heat of the moment, it's a matter of focus and emphasis. 
Baylor Romney has started two of the last three games. He has finished the last three, all wins for BYU, a win streak that is BYU's longest, curiously, since 2016, which is kind of crazy. What has impressed you about Baylor Romney's play at quarterback? Two things. One is his, well, three things, actually. One is his calmness. You would think that a third-string freshman walk-on would would be a little, little skittish, a little nervous. He looks like the moment is not too big for him. Every moment he's been in, it appears that watching his feet, his calmness in the pocket, his working through progressions, it doesn't seem like he's freaked out in any way. That's thing number one. Thing number two, he has fully bought into the concept that to be successful in this offense, you need to throw the ball on time to a spot and trust the receiver to get there and make a play. And so that, that's something that has been kind of a rare commodity in recent years at BYU, where you've seen too often a quarterback drop back, find a guy with a Y in his helmet, and then drill it to him if he looks open. Well, that, that'll make some nice plays once in a while, but it doesn't lead to consistently moving the chains. It's just, just not, and so he has done a good job of throwing the ball on time to a spot. And the other thing is I love his high trajectory throws on the vertical ones down the field where he'll put the ball high in the air and let the receiver run under it and make a play. I mean, he gets pass interference penalties from that and big plays from that. And there were both at the same time with Micah Simon early in the game, 47-yard pickup down deep in the red zone where the ball was thrown high, but it was too short. So Simon slowed down. The defender ran into him. Uh, and so that was pass interference, but Simon caught it anyhow. Well, when you, get, when you put the ball up in the air like that, you give a receiver a chance to show what he can do, as opposed to throwing it on a rope, which means if it's not in the exact right spot, there's no chance to catch it, and the receiver can't really adjust to it. So those three things, I think, impressed me about Baylor Romney. Hey, seven catches, 91 yards for Micah Simon, who you are just talking about, but his quarterback rating is what he wants us to talk about, Trevor. 799 on the one pass he threw with a touchdown. How about that? You know what? 799 has got to be an all-time record. Now, this, this whole thing about being passer rate or qualified, which means you have to have a certain number of attempts. But here's the thing. I, this is a sort of a trivia question for you. Uh, not a trivia question, but a piece of trivia. In the NFL, I am tied for first place in NFL history what? at the ratio of targets to catches among all players who have ever played with at least three targets. You had three Targets? Three targets, did you three throw? catches. That really? makes me tied on the ratio of targets to catches in all of NFL history among all players who have at least three targets. Uh, <laughs> and so, so that means nothing at all, right? They should have only me three times. So, so good for Micah. You know, he got his, he got his one, and hopefully they don't call another one because it might cut that in half if it's incomplete or an interception. 1991 for the Jets. Three for 23. Does that sound right? <laughs> yeah, it sounds about right, but a game-winning touchdown. Again, one touchdown. That's a photo of my football career. Wow. Uh, Who's yeah. that against? Who's that against? Well, the, it was against the, I was playing for the Jets, and so my former team was the Patriots. So we go up to New England to play them in the first of our two games of our division series that year. And the score's tied with less than a minute to go. We get the ball, oh, like, on a one-yard line, and we had a – a play-action pass. I was playing tight end. I was number 46 for the Jets that year. And so I was playing, but I'm still mostly a blocker, but I just had played so much in the big field rather than just short yardage goal line, they flipped my number. And so 
the play action pass was designed to throw to the right corner of the end zone to the primary receivers. And in practice, because the defense went so slow all the time, the guys on the, the primary receivers were always wide open and the defense was standing around me. My job was to block for a second and then leak out as an outlet to the back of the end zone. Well, in the game, the Patriots defense swarmed over the primary receivers and I was standing by myself in the back of the end zone. And so the quarterback, Ken O'Brien, looked at me, and he was like, no way. <laughs> but the defense was about to close in on him, so he threw the ball, and I caught it, and we, that was the game-winning touchdown. And after the game, he said, I, he's, uh, I said, uh, thanks for throwing that thing, and he said, thanks for catching it, right? So the next, <laughs> the next game that we played against the Jets that year, they came up to me during pregame warm-up, like the whole defense, and they said, there's no way you're catching another pass. I knew all these guys in my former team. No way you're catching another pass. Well, I knew they had a pass in there for me. So, so I lined up this time in an unbalanced line um, on the left side, number 46 still, sat back to block a little bit, ran down the field, caught the pass, got hit by a couple of guys, and I wouldn't go down. So here come a few more and jumped on me. I wouldn't go down. The whistles are blowing. The refs are coming in. More guys come in. Jump on me. I wouldn't go down. <laughs> finally, way after the whistle was blown, there were just too many Patriots. I had a couple thousand pounds on me, so I finally went down. But there was a picture on the front of the sports section of the Boston Herald the next day of me with nine Patriots either <laughs> on me or about to jump on me. And that's my favorite picture of my entire NFL career. So, yeah, um, that all goes back to Mike Simon and his touchdown pass. Yay. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yes, the Je- that's the Jets could story. use you this year. They really could. Trevor, yeah. tell me you have a picture that you still have that picture framed somewhere because you need to take a picture of that picture and send it to us. You can find it online, but I'll, I'll see if I can. Uh, I'll see if I can email it over to you. It's just me in my little green uniform and a whole bunch of furious Patriots because they told me you're not catching another ball. And I was like, uh huh. You wait and see. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. That's part of the fun of football, though, because it is personal. It is it personal. Is, yeah, that's awesome. And let's finish with this. LSU beats Alabama, clearly the best team in the country right now. Everyone's number one, right? Uh, who will challenge them for the national title? Right now, I think there's two that could. Um, three. One of them is Ohio State, especially the way their defense is playing. The second one is Clemson. Clemson, I think, has answered a lot of the problems that they had, especially on offense early in the season, and they're just ripping along at a pace they were last year. The third one is Alabama. Wow. If Alabama sneaks into the playoff as a one-loss non-champ like they did a couple of years ago and then went on to win it over Georgia with Tua's emergence. Um, I think Alabama could do it, too. Keep this in mind that the first half of that game, Alabama just got torched on both sides of the ball by LSU. But in the second half, they came roaring back and made it a five-point game, a five-point game. And in the first half, part of the problem was that Tua, on his surgically repaired ankle, was not himself. And he wasn't able to support the defense by sustaining drives, scoring points. It was just a real miserable first half. But in the second half, he finally figured out how to play with that ankle. And, man, they came back with a, with a huge game. And if they're able to sneak into the playoff, I think that Alabama, with a healthy Tua, has a very good chance to knock off LSU and get their revenge. But I think those are the four teams that have a legitimate chance to win it all. Trevor, it's great to catch up with you. And again, an amazing story about you tight catching end, a touchdown pass. Yes, as a tight end. And uh, I'll say it for you. Don't sleep on Idaho State. 
Don't say for Ohio State. And somewhere, the four quarterbacks I played with at BYU, Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, and Robbie Gut Bosco, are saying, what? And we didn't throw the ball to Trevor? <laughs> oh, we'll bring it up with them. Yeah, they, they, they missed a great opportunity. Great stuff. They could have been super ultra All-Americans. Trevor, <laughs> we appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye, guys. Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. We've talked to Trevor for years, and I had no idea. I had no idea. Tight end. The things you learn. Three catches on three targets in the NFL. And a touchdown. Are you kidding me? We should never, ever, ever question Trevor Maddich's critique of a wide receiver. (laughs) After that, Jim. Wow. That's amazing. 33%. TD uh, ratio yeah. on his catches? Yeah. Wow. Okay, coming up, Jennifer Rockwood on Selection Day. Do the Cougars deserve a one seed? And speaking of the NFL, a couple of former BYU footballers get all defensive in their NFL action. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join us tomorrow night for BYU Football's Kalani Satake, 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, on the BYU TV app as Coach Satake and a player discuss the Liberty game and preview Senior Day against Idaho State this Saturday, live on BYU TV. Reserve your seat on BYUcougars.com slash Satake Show. BYU Sports Nation is back, live from the studio, Bizzle, ready to party on a Monday and ready to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU beat Liberty 31-24 thanks to 262 passing yards and three touchdowns from Baylor Romney. But don't forget about Micah Simon. Had a touchdown pass to Matt Bushman for 44 yards. Had seven catches for 91 yards as well. Final home game of the season, Saturday, as mentioned, against Idaho State, live right here on BYU TV. Cougars in the NFL. Daniel Sorensen led the Chiefs with nine tackles in, frankly, an inexplicable 35-32 Kansas City loss to the Tennessee Titans. Taysom Hill threw a pass for 17 yards, rushed for 11 yards, and had one catch for three yards in a shocking home loss by the Saints to the 2-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons. Harvey Longy had three tackles, one tackle for loss, and a 34-27 Jets win over the Giants in the battle for New York. Jamal Williams had 13 carries for 63 yards and a Packers win over the Panthers, and the cold never bothered him anyway. And Fred Warner and the undefeated Niners play Ziggy Ansah and my Seahawks tonight on Monday Night Football. Men's basketball. Loses at home to San Diego State, 76-71. The Cougars had a lead of six with under five minutes to play, but fall short. Jake Toulson led the Cougars with 18 points, four rebounds, a couple of steals, and four assists. T.J. Haas added 13. Bounce-back opportunity for BYU happens against Southern Utah Wednesday night, 9 Eastern, live on BYU TV. Soccer. Number four, Brigham completed the undefeated regular season for the first time in school history by beating LMU 8-1 on senior night. Saturday left, no doubt. Elise Flake is the West Coast Conference Player of the Week for two goals and two assists last week. First time all season. Unbelievable. 8-1, to one, She's man. the best player in the league, and she, she should win Player of the Year. And she got one Player of the Week nomination or award. Gosh. The Cougars outscore their competition 68-9 this season. Only undefeated team in the country, 18-0-1. We will find out what CBO he gets at 4.30 Eastern on NCAA.com. Volleyball. 11th ranked BYU women's volleyball sweeps San Francisco on Saturday. Freshman Whitney Bauer had 28 assists, 10 digs, 7th double-double of the season. Maddie Robinson led the team with 13 kills. BYU plays a huge match at San Diego this Friday night. The Toreros, one spot out of the top 25, beat BYU in the Smithfield House in the first matchup this season. Swimming and diving. Women's team won the BYU invite Saturday against Dixie State, UC Davis, and... Liberty. There you go. Who is also in town for football and swimming and diving. Highlights include sophomore Gwen Gustafson winning the 100 free and Bryn Soul won the 500 free. Golf. 
Senior Peter Quest given the Ben Hogan Award as the best golfer of the month finalist in October. Quest ranked fourth nationally, won his last tournament, tied for fourth individually at the Pate Intercollegiate, and tied for tenth at the Pacific Invitational with a tournament high of three eagles. Mm, so good. <laughs> Women's basketball. The ladies lost the season opener, surprisingly. 67-50 at Washington State, led by Paisley Johnson's 19 points. Cougars host Texas A&M Kingsville Thursday. Live on BYU TV, the app. There you go. The app. The BYU TV, the, the, the app. The app. That's, that's new. I like that. Okay. Coming up, going for two. How'd we do? <laughs> we have to go there. You're giving uh, it away. I'm happy to go uh, <laughs> with Jennifer Rockwood into the NCAA tournament because the Cougars are the only undefeated team in America. She'll join us next. What seed does she think the Cougars deserve? This is BYU Sports Nation. Undefeated. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Breakdown Cougar football with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, and David Nixon tomorrow. And after further review, lots to discuss after the Liberty game. Preview Idaho State. It's on the app live at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific tomorrow. And then Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific on BYU TV. Breakdown Cougar soccer right now with our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU women's soccer at 3.58 goals per game is second nationally. Only behind Stanford's 3.79, the Cougars have scored a bunch, 68 goals in fact, and joining us now to celebrate that fact and many more is the head coach of BYU Women's Soccer, Jennifer Rockwood, number four in the country, top 10 RPI, only undefeated. Congratulations. Congratulations, Undefeated regular season. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a fun ride so far, that's for sure. That'd be an understatement, right? It would be. Undefeated, the margin, this team, the seniors. It's just been amazing. Such a, a great staff, a great bunch of girls, just... You know, it's been it's been a lot of fun. We've talked about this in preparing for broadcasts. As Spencer and I have called these matches this year. But when did you know this group was going to be special? You know, we anticipated having a special group um, coming back during the summer, uh, knowing that we were returning a lot of starters, um, a lot of good experience, a lot of leadership, um, adding a good freshman class. So we had expectations. Um, you know, from the get-go, right from preseason, and then putting it all together those first couple weeks and, and headed out to Alabama, Mississippi State, and, and kind of grinding it out on the road there, and that kind of started things off for us. So we should have had the Quest for Perfection t-shirts this yeah. year with you? Yeah, maybe. Is that what we okay. should have done? No, you don't, want to look, you don't want to look too far in the future, right? <laughs> game to game is what we talk about. Again, the only unbeaten, top five national ranking, and an RPI at number 10, what seed do you anticipate you will receive from the selection committee today? Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's just, it's really hard to know. I think it could be anywhere between two, three, or four. I mean, you hope maybe a two um, from what we've done um, and what the girls have accomplished. But um, I think mostly we would just like an opportunity to play as many games as we can at home. You know, I, I know we don't know who we're going to play, but that's, that's kind of our, our goal is, uh, is to earn those home games. So uh, we'll see today pretty soon, but I really don't. Uh, have any really strong thing one way or the other you just you really don't know there's a lot of good teams in the west and our tournament is done uh, very regionally and we've got stanford usc and ucla you know uh in in the west with us and so it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do so you don't think a one seed is in the mix I don't, I don't think so. I think we would have had to maybe have we, – we did beat Kansas, who finished uh, as champions. I think their RPI is at nine. Um, but I think a lot of times they'll look for wins over even higher RPI teams. Um, so, 
you know, I, I was surprised in 2012 when they when they gave us a 1C. I, I wasn't sure that that would happen. So I guess you never know. Uh, but kind of maybe more looking towards a two or a three. So it depends on the strength of schedule and how that's valued, I guess. Yeah, I think, there, I think there's a lot of combinations uh, that go. How much weight's put in the RPI, how much weight's put in the last 10 uh, games. Again, we don't have control necessarily over who we play in those last 10 games, but we did go out on the road and, and play a pretty good uh, nationally uh, non-conference schedule and had some great success there too. So, um, you know, we'll just wait and see. We're just excited about that opportunity. So Jerem loves the RPI about as much as he loves BYU football <laughs> losing to Utah nine times in a row. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on that same, level of hatred. Level, yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, if you could have a change in the ratings and the metrics of how this thing is determined, what would you add? What would you throw in to kind of mix it up? Um, I think it's 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 tough. I, I think you have to maybe look at a few polls. I mean, the coaches are, are voting for those teams. Um, you know, the people that follow women's soccer closely, uh, game to game. Uh, you know, those there's a couple polls out there. Maybe add those to it. Um, just you know, soccer is more available for the committee to be watching. Where you know, even like five six years ago, um, I think they had to rely a little bit more on results and strength of schedule and RPI. Um, but now all of the games are on. You can have access to any game you want. So hopefully the committee has gone and looked and watched us play, um, watched us play within our conference, which is a very competitive conference with some great players. We, we hope that we get three or four teams into the tournament this year. Um, you know, so I think just maybe looking at more than just a number with, you know, we only play 19, 20 games and you've got 330 plus Division One teams. So the sample size is pretty small. So, um, you know, you just don't know. We'll see what happens. You mentioned uh, expecting seeds two, three or four. If you didn't get a two, That'd be disappointing, right? If you got a three or four, given the way the season's gone. I mean, I think so. I mean, you you want to expect the best always, and so you know we're hopeful that uh, the committee will recognize what we've accomplished and we will go from there. But again, you you don't have control over that, so we're going to be excited no matter where we end up, who, whatever bracket we're in, um, and and you just have to be excited with with what you're given in this situation. We've done everything to control what we've been able to so far this year. It's out of our hands right now, and uh, we're just excited to see who we play, where we play, and, uh, and what it looks like to um, you know, maybe make a, a track to the Final Four. In the context of a regular season, and you've never gone unbeaten in mm-hmm. an entire regular season, where does this team rank against some of the such great teams that you've coached in the past? Yeah, we've, we've really had some great teams. I've had some great players and teams over the years. But, you know, I think the thing that's unique this year is that we've got a, you know, a top five attack in the country, just right, right below Stanford, who is really dominating things right now. Um, but we also have a top 10 uh, defense, goals against average. And so I think in different years, we've had really maybe a strong team defense or a strong attack. But this year, um, with, the, with the players that we have and the players that we can go to off the bench um, and the experience that we have, we're really strong on, on both both sides of the ball, our, our team attack is just shown by the amount of goals that we can can score. Um, but a lot of that is is a buildup from our defensive players and our goalkeeping and and everything kind of combined together. This is definitely one of the best teams uh, BYU women's soccer's had. So again, going into the tournament, really high expectations and, and just really excited. These girls have a lot of fun on and off the field. In your last comment, you mentioned the two kind of magical words. The only thing that's really eluded this program is a Final Four, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is this a Final Four kind of talented team that that should you – get going could make this run here. Yeah, I, th- I think you always have to expect that. And, um, you know, something we've always, 
you know, in the back of your head, you know, you've wanted and, and volleyball's kind of done that uh, over the, the years and uh, recently. And that's something that we believe that we have the talent and the experience to, to get there. And we, you know, it's always a long road, but you got to dream and you got to dream big and why not us? And, you know, let's see what happens. Coach, great to have you in studio again. Congratulations on just a remarkable, unforgettable. Let's, let's give you the West Coast Conference Coach of the Year award before yep, the yep, league does. Going to they're going to yeah, yeah. do that yep. today or tomorrow, I'd yeah. imagine. Right? BYU yeah. Sports Nation has declared that. Yeah, we <laughs> control also, that. So. Give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for Always. whoever you're going to play uh, on uh, later this week. On Friday, right? On Friday. I Friday night, we anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just what a, what a season. I mean, what else can we say? And we're just getting started. Thanks, guys. That was, that was yeah. the precursor. We're yeah. just getting started. Okay, awesome. Thanks, Coming up, a Veterans Day shout-out from the football team. And the carnage of our going-for-two picks. We don't have to do this, do we? This is BYU Sports Nation. Is it sponsored? I think it's sponsored. We have to do it. Okay, we have to do it. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You can always subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. And uh, we're always on demand on the BYU TV and BYU Radio app. Let's go for two. Can you predict the future? No. These guys think they can. We're going for two on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Yikes. Ugly weekend for our going for two picks, but we will recap because we went on the record. Because it's sponsored. Let me remind everyone, and I'll say this. I wasn't that far off, but still wrong. My first pick, I said BYU football would have 500-plus total yards of offense. 471, only 29 short. Had BYU not turned the ball over twice, they get 500 yards, and it's a much more decisive victory against Liberty. Yeah. Okay, pick two. Ugh. BYU will hold Liberty to under 125 yards rushing. <laughs> Liberty had 128. Come on, man. Three yards. All right, pick one, 17 plus. <laughs> I, I was even wrong in my assessment of that because you remember what I said after that? I said that means this is going to be a two-score game. It wasn't even that. It was a one-score game. Yeah. People were like, I blame Jerem Jordan. I got multiple tweets. I didn't turn it over <laughs> Twice. Just FYI. <laughs> the curse of 17 plus lives. <laughs> 17. Everyone forgets the ones that work. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, pick two. Antonio Gannon Golden won't have 100 yards. <laughs> <laughs> He's the man. That guy is awesome. 10 for 162 in a touch. Oh, yeah. he was awesome. He's really good. He was fun to watch. He dropped the would-be oh. fourth and 21 completion. Now, Isaiah Kafusi looks like he shoves him in the back. That's uh, a dropped pass. It's a dropped pass. Yes. It's in his hands. He can bring it in as he's being pushed. Like, My question is, why is he, is he, of all people, open on fourth and 21? By the way, <laughs> Shimon Willis uh, bites on a sluggo, and Gandy Golden scores. Bury changes its uh, approach, and I think Dango Wolaku just manned up with him. But for some reason on that play, I think Bury dropped 11. They dropped 22. Did they rush anybody? (laughs) Yeah, they're just like, everyone back! Let them run! It's 4th and 21. The scoreboard remains 11-7 in favor of We're coming down to the wire here. Yeah. I've got a four-point lead with uh, three games to go, including a bowl game, right? So uh, you got some work to do, man. 
So, fun fact, uh, Liberty was at 134 net rushing yards, and then Kyrus Tonga blows up oh, a, play what a play and forces a negative six loss. So I'm like, if they can just sack Calvert, then BYU might do it. <laughs> they couldn't sack him in the last Thank drive. you, Kyrus Tonga. Yeah, Kyrus, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. All right, moving on, our question of the day. Was BYU winning by seven over Liberty good enough? Why or why not? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at B Royal Blue Coog answers on Twitter. A win is a win is a win is a win. They don't mark big wins with a capital W and the ugly wins with a little W. I do on my own personal. Sometimes the ugly ones are the easiest to give up on. BYU fought to keep the win late. Wasn't as good as it should have been, but it was good enough. Amen to that. Yeah. All right, today's rise and shout-outs now. With it being Veterans Day, we're teaming up with BYU football and some notable personalities over at the Student Athlete Building to give our shout-out to all of our fabulous veterans who have served, are serving, and will serve this wonderful country we live in. I just want to say thank you to all the veterans. You know, we're, we're grateful for all your service. I want to thank everybody that served in the military. I just want to say thank you to the veterans for all you guys have done for us. Those who have served in the military, we're so grateful for your service. Veterans, thank you for, for all you guys have done. All those who have served in the armed forces, we at BYU thank you. To all the veterans out there currently serving and those of you who have served in the past, we thank you for your service. My dad served in the Air Force, and I have a great deal of respect for everything that you do in our service. Thank you. On this very special day, I just want to thank all of our veterans out there who have served or are currently serving in our country. Um, thank the families as well who uh, support them and, um, and help, help this country in so many ways. We love you, and we are forever thankful for you and for all that you do. appreciate all the, all, all the things that our veterans have done for us and allowing us to give the, have the freedom of... <clears throat> enjoying our lives and so I don't think there's any words I could put it I could really say to show my gratitude to them fantastic message from Kalani Satake and members of the BYU football staff and team and again we echo their sentiments my grandfather served in the army my father served in the national guard and just so much respect for uh just the greatest generation, man. Yeah, they were great, and uh, my and they are great, and we really appreciate it. Both my parents were in the Air Force, and I was born on an Air Force base, so uh, in Mountain Home, Idaho, outside of Boise. So, uh, no, I don't like Boise State, um, <laughs> but really appreciate, obviously, uh, what everyone has done. We uh, are thinking about you, especially today. So that's sure. awesome. Sure, some cool thoughts from BYU football. Enjoy the rest of your Veterans Day, and again, it's not time to panic on BYU football. Seven point win over no. Liberty. Don't, oh, don't I'm sleep. not even. Yeah. Today's not football to me. No. It's soccer. Yeah, oh, it, soccer it, it has become that, right? Two thirty Mountain, NCA.com. We're going to see what seed BYU is, and uh, Jen Rockwood coming in and, and said she said the words. Maybe we'll make a run of the final four. We'll Come see. on, let's, let's do it. it. Let's go. Our thanks to today's guest, ESPN College Football Insider Trevor Maddich and the head coach of BYU Women's Soccer, Jen Rockwood. Started Dennis Pitta, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Kyle Morrell. Keep it right here on BYU TV for a live edition of Coordinator's Corner with Greg Rebell, defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki, and the offensive guru Jeff Grimes. Go Cougs.